Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. Uh, this is the podcast where we do film franchises and we exist to prove people wrong when they say that sequels are never better than the originals. Isn't that so, Jordan Macaw? Uh-huh. And say, my introduce me. Yes, Mike Macaw. Thank you very much. Um, so today we are smack dab in the middle of our Middle Earth series and we are chewing off the second half of the series, starting with The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Now, um... Folks, we've said a lot of stuff about this movie in the past, and I want to tell you we truly, truly did, at least I, you can speak for yourself. Yeah, don't speak for me. But I came into this, and I, before we pressed rent on iTunes and before we pressed play, I said, Jordan, we have to take this on and give it a, it's, it's day in court, basically. We can't just take all of our preconceived notions from when we saw it before. We got to give it. It's due. So I went in as fresh as I could. Do you want to speak to anything you said? I think I did too, but it did not last very long. Okay. Wow, you're kind of giving away your thoughts and opinions pretty early, Jordan. Sorry. And um, if you are just joining us now, um, we're in, this is a Patreon-picked series, which is very cool. Um, we reached a goal, and then the patrons got to choose a series, um, so if you want to be a part of any future series planning, you need to go to www.patreon.com slash and you can sign up for as little as $3 to um, be able to participate in that and also get our MPU The Sequel podcast where we do um, movies that only have two sequels. And this month, it's Finding Nemo. Next month, it's Finding Dory. So let's jump into the movie. Okay. Do you want to hit anything first? Well, you- I mean, when did you first see it? Oh, yes, I forgot. Um, I remember you being involved in this. Really? Um, you went... W- I went tell to the yours midnight, first. Well, I'll... I went to the midnight premiere. It was cold. And then, very excited, read the book. I reread The Hobbit right before the movie because I wanted it to be as fresh as possible in my mind. And so, get in the theater. I've already heard about the frame rate thing uh-huh. and how people were puking. Did you have any, like, like, did you walk into the theater as, what, it came out in 2012? Like, did you have any thought on, like, what that would mean? What? The high frame rate? Um, probably, I mean, I know that I had read an article about it, but my biggest takeaway was that it was, the, the motion of it was so a certain way that it was making people sick. Yeah. Um... But I was a long time ago, so I don't totally remember. Uh-huh. And then I remember in the theater, movies pretty much in the beginning, I remember seeing Frodo being so excited. And <laughs> yeah. immediately after that thinking, why do I do midnight premieres? I am so tired right now. Yeah. And I'm just trying not to sleep the whole movie. Uh-huh. Dark Knight Rises was pretty much the same thing. Kind of by the end, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I know, and if I've only done a few yeah. too, and I think it, I've only done a few because maybe this is my last one. Because it's like, what is the point? <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not even like waiting in line. Sure, it's kind of fun, but it was also this movie came out in the winter time. Yeah, I was cold. I remember like with midnight premieres. I think the first one I saw was Spider Man Three, and I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing. Walked out of the theater, freaking cool. Saw it again in theaters, loved it. Um, it was only later, and I heard everyone else saying it was bad, that I was like, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to like this movie. 
recently rewatched it. It's actually not that bad of a movie. It has some serious issues, but it's not that bad. That's just a side note. We'll get to that someday. Um, but I just remember, like, Midnight's were fun when you were going with friends, and I remember going to Dark Knight Rises and stuff. But then what really uh, did it, like, a nail in the coffin for me was Force Awakens, because... I don't remember that being a Midnight showing. That was, like, no, nine... I know. Okay. Um, because I remember, like, before they did, like, true Midnight showings. You could not see yeah. it before Midnight. And then... A few years ago, they started doing, like, the day before showings. Yeah. And then they started doing, like, the day before the day before yeah. showings. And we saw Force Awakens at, like, nine, you Something said? like that. And um, it was just funny because there were people waiting in line for the 12 a.m. And we were like, oh, p- oh yeah. Can we, like, are you in line for the 7 or the 9, whichever one we were at? And they're like, oh, no, no, we're waiting. We want to see it on the day it comes out. And we're like, oh, uh, okay. That's, I'm going to see it three hours earlier. Yeah, we're going to see it before you and go to bed before the movie even starts for you, but cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, when we do Spider-Man, yeah. we, for the Patreon, it's got to be the Amazing Spider-Man. That's exactly what I was thinking. I just thought about that. That is, I feel like that is perfectly, that all happened for our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's too perfect. Which means I was kind of thinking maybe we should do it this winter, but with the slate we have, we wouldn't be able to do it, so... Maybe we'll have to wait on Spider-Man then. Okay. Bummer. Um, okay, so you saw the movie, and so I remember... So why do you remember me? Well, I just remember, I think I had tickets for the next day. Like, the day Nerd. it came out. And you and Veronica went to Holy Joe's, which I was working at that Friday. And you came in, and I was like, oh my gosh, how was the movie? How was the movie? Tell me. And and you were... I remember... Maybe Uh-oh, I'm misremembering. I but I just remember you just being kind of like... Yeah, no, it was good. I was just so tired. Oh, I, I mean, just, that sounds like exactly what I just described. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, but I mean, it was like, it was like, I mean, was it everything, you know, we've been waiting for this movie for 10 years. Is it like up to that par? And you're like, um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. There's, there's cool stuff with Gollum. That part was really cool. And so I was like, oh, weird. <laughs> and Pretty then, accurate. Pretty yeah, then I saw accurate. the movie and I had recently read the book um reread the book because i was this was the first movie i saw after having read a book on it okay um and so i was like i i had some qualms with it particularly azog the pale orc Mm. and then just some of the stuff they added and then some of the stuff they detracted i was confused i didn't understand why they did those decisions and at this time we no yeah we would have known that there were going to be three movies I By believe so. I will actually. I'm not sure. Crazy. I have notes on it. So oh, I'll, okay. Um, but yeah, and again for the listener, with adaptions, we like them to be different. But we will be getting into some of the things that I think are odd about this adaption. Not necessarily like totally bad. Although I think they did make some bad choices because I've been rereading Two Towers, and it's actually quite a bit different than the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. But it does capture the spirit, and I think that's where this movie fails. You know the other book I reread specifically for the movie that was coming out? What? The Great Gatsby. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah. I hated that movie. Yeah. So much. I'm wondering if I'm going to shoot myself in the foot for reading Dune before the movie. No. Although I didn't... That, I don't know. That's a beast. Yeah, it's a different kind of book. So and because it's so you know if it was like let's say you split the book up into three parts, uh-huh. I wonder if psychologically that would be different. Yeah. Than a giant massive thing 
that's impossible for you to remember everything that you read. <laughs> right, or, right. Or, like, slash care. Right, if I had read, like, half, happened. like, right before November. Although, who knows when that movie's actually going to come out. Yeah. But, um, okay. So, we got that covered? Sure. Okay, so, I want to kick this off. I'm going to talk about frame rate for a little bit. Okay. Because I think this is important. So, if you don't know this, um, most movies are shot in a 24 frame rate. And then sometimes there's adjustments. You'll see, like, 30 frames or just different scenes, especially in action sequences you might see different frames um frame rate mm -hmm. being shot um and tv at least older tv like sitcoms usually 30 frames a second um which goes into motion blur and like the tv stuff which i'm not going to get into but i have a whole soapbox if you want to know if about anyone it, really knows Mike, <laughs> they know his views on tvs so um they wanted to film this movie in 48 frames a second which is for back then when this was being shot, that's like kind of like, whoa, okay. Because they wanted to create a more realistic look on the world. Now, the human Wrong. eye. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> the human eye. Um, I, well, I'm just setting the table because I don't think. I used to think like 24 frames, that is like wisdom. You have to shoot 24 frames. And I think that that's kind of a. Um, I, I don't think that you need to do that anymore. I'm of the opinion, though, when I hear that, it's not just, so it's like they want to make it more real. It's a fantasy thing. There well, is so much. Nope. <laughs> there is so much fantasy. There's more fantasy in this, I would just say, movie than uh -huh. Lord of the Rings uh -huh. because it is much more childlike. Yes. So it's much more fantastical. So you want to so a part of the reason why you wanted to do the frame rate thing was to make it more realistic. Do you I think know I misspoke what, when I said the word realistic cuz that's okay. not the vibe I got when I watched the behind the scenes. Okay, good because that just doesn't make sense. That shouldn't be the mood yeah, you're going that's for. Not, that's not the impression I got. I used the wrong word. I think they wanted it to be more immersive. That's different. That's different. Yeah. And they also shot this movie in 3D. So Yeah, on the red cameras. Yep exactly so i watch um, behind the scenes <laughs> on on so on this movie they shoot with two cameras one is your yeah. left eye one is your right eye and then they're shooting them at 48 frames a second so when you think about it it's like if they're trying to present like an actual interesting 3d experience shooting at a higher frame rate makes a lot of sense because yeah. the higher your frame rate goes the more that window that it looks like you're looking through a movie kind of disappears yeah um and so the human eye um processes 60 frames a second and then um, when they first started um, film, they shot around 12 to 6, or they, they, they discovered that if you go below 12 to 16 frames per second, your brain stops um, processing it as movement and sees it as pictures that are just shuffled together. So then Edison, Thomas Edison, um, he proposed that the best movement that, that um, like the eye will really process is 46 frames a second. But studios were like, that's way too expensive to pay, pay for that much film. So they shot a lot of those silent films at 16 to 18 frames. Okay. And then um, projectionists projectioned them at 20 to 24 frames a second. And that's why when you watch like an old Chaplin movie, it looks all choppy and sped up. Yeah. Because it's the improper yeah. frame rate. So then with the advent of sound, I know I'm going deep, but I hope people like this because I think this is supremely fascinating with the advent of sound if you shoot a movie at 10 to 16 frames a second and then project it at 20 to 24 frames the people talking are going to talk sound like chipmunks yeah 
So they had to come up on a consensus on a frame rate. So they found the cheapest option to be 24 frames a second. So I just want to dispel the notion that like film has to be that. It's an arbitrary number that people just came up with. Um, I like how it looks, and I still am adjusting to other looks, but that's just how it came about. Um, and so that's the history of frame rate. And if you... There are still people that are trying to crack the frame rate, but there's so much of a bias against it that people tend to be, except for like real crazy um, film nerds who like want to see film progress and see different things. Um, for example, um, I forgot the director's name. Ang Lee. Ang Lee has two movies that he shot at 120 frames a second. Um, and one of them was Gemini Man, which I saw in theaters at 60 frames a second. And it was so fascinating and a very very cool movie that's extremely underrated um it kind of takes away the motion blur and really does look like you are watching it right in front of your eyes problem with that is you can also see when actors are wearing makeup and sometimes like acting choices look weird yeah um which will come into play when we talk about this movie but right. that's what i got on frame rate now let's hit some actors and i'll take a little break from talking okay is everyone awake Okay, so Aww. I'm just joking. So we have Martin Freeman who plays Bilbo. He was recently in Black Panther. Um, as we have covered him. Everett. Because oh. of Black Panther. Cool. <laughs> Next we have, I, it's good that there's two people doing this podcast because it would just be the same people <laughs> yeah. the whole time. Um, Richard Armitage who plays Thorin Oakenshield. Um, he is also in Into the Storm. He's in Castlevania. That makes a lot of sense. I think he played the person the who I think it anime is. anime show? Yes. Okay, cool. He has such a wonderful voice. He does. I. He's great. Uh, his voice is great. <laughs> um, he's also in Berlin Station, My Zoe, The Stranger, Ocean's 8, Pilgrimage, Sleepwalker, Brain on Fire, and... Oh, he's also in Alice Through the Looking Glass. Wait, did we ever watch that movie? No. That is two sequels, though. Nice. Or one sequel. Before you move on from him, I just want to state, as a little teaser for the listener, my biggest problem with the movie uh, is Thorin. And I'll get into why later. I think he is the pr like the reason this movie doesn't work. Okay. Um, then we have Ken Stott, who plays Balin. Um, Number two. He's, a, he's in Shallow Grave, Devils, Strike, Come In, movies I've never seen. So are those like horror movies? No. Those sounded like, Some like of horror them thriller like movies. Thrillers. Okay. But no. Um, and then Graham McTavish Dwalin. Dwalin. He's in Rambo. Wait, is it Dwalin Gimli's cousin who has who is in the tomb in the Lord of the in the Fellowship of the Ring? Dwalin's tomb. That's him. Wow. That's That's pretty cool. That's cool. I mean, that's just J.R.R. Tolkien. He's in that's Rambo. Them, Did you hear that? The first movie? Yeah. <gasps> he plays Lewis. This is what he looks like. Oh, oh I gotta. <laughs> I'm gonna keep keep you keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, look into him. He's in Preacher, Outlander, Lucifer. Wow, he's a TV guy. He's also in Aquaman. He plays King Atlan. He's also in Castlevania and Ducktales. Wow. William Kircher, who plays Biffer and one of the trolls. Uh, he is in Rogue Warrior Robot Fighter. That movie looks so bad. 
um, the uh, the Axiom. He's in the Skyrim video game, and then that's about it. And then James Nesbitt plays Bofer. He is in Match Point, Bloody Sunday, Waking Ned Divine, Cold Feet, and The Secret. And then Stephen Hunter plays Bomb Bomber Bomber. Oh brother! Oh, he's uh, in the fourth Rambo. That's, oh, uh, yeah. I just said Rambo on the cover. <laughs> so, um, and then so. Stephen Hunter is in Escape from Pretoria. What's this? Based on the real-life prison break of two political captives. Daniel Radcliffe is in it. Mm. Jordan's interested. <laughs> um, two Heads Creek, Reef Break, Fresh Eggs. Let's Fresh stop. Eggs. <laughs> Let's what a do title. One more. Okay. Dean O. Gorman plays Philly. I recognize this guy. Okay, so he's from Trumbo, one bridge, one lane bridge. Is he the like really nerdy looking? Um, he's blonde. Dwarf. What's the nerdy looking one? There, there's. Well, I guess I should save my thoughts on the dwarf's looks. Yeah, well, later. that's gonna be a huge topic. Okay, okay. The bad seed. I think this guy just looks like other people to me. <laughs> but he's in Trumbo, and I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so now I'm gonna bounce back into the production. But this will be the production of the movie. So um, in 1995, Jackson tried to make Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, but he had issues and Miramax couldn't get the right for the Hobbit. I think we mentioned that in the fellowship, yeah. but it's good to re-mention. And just another backstory. The novel came out in 1937. Okay. Um, in March 2005, Jackson brought a lawsuit against New Line because... He felt he believed that he was missing revenue from the merchandise and video games for the fellowship. Whoa, that's crazy. So Robert Shea said he in 2007, um, he was really annoyed and fed up with Jackson. And he's like, we're never working with Jackson again. OK. Uh, and then MGM Harry Sloan um, uh, starts production on movie because he wants Jackson. And after New Line has unsuccessfully unsuccessful releases, Shea said he'd be happy to work with Jackson again. Hmm. So did that make sense what Typical. I just said? Typical. Yeah. I think so. Um, and then by Jack, by, uh, by 2007, um, Jackson is planning to be an executive producer to a planned two Hobbit movies. Um, if only it were so. And then in 2008, oh no, I'm sorry. In 2008, they announced that they're going to do two movies that will come out in 2011 and 2012. And then the reason Jackson didn't want to originally direct it is because he's like, I don't want to compete with myself. This needs like fresh blood. I it's not what a like, sad story you're telling. Well, just just hang on. Let's let's go with it. Um, and then the Tolkien estate sues New Line for not paying them the agreed upon amount and only an upfront for the book rights to what is New Lord Line's of the Rings. deal? What's their issue? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then April two thousand eight. Hope Dons, Guillermo del Toro, director of um, and Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, um, the best picture a few Shape years ago. Water. Shape of Water, uh, Pacific Rim, Wait, Hellboy. So, okay. so you don't think he would have done a good job? I think I'm, I have so many notes on here that I think might paint a clearer picture. Oh, okay. Um, because I, yeah. Because <laughs> I am of without without you going forward the second. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. Yeah, 2008. I mean, I think this would be after he made the second Hellboy. So he's like well versed in like the fantasy stuff, and I think he's going on to make Pan's Labyrinth. If I okay. have my Guillermo correct, I could be wrong though. 
Um, so it makes sense. This is like a good time for him to yeah. step in there. Um, and then, but w- what's funny is in 2006, he was quoting as saying he didn't like dragons, hairy feet, hobbits, swords, or sorcery, and wasn't oh. interested in telling those types of stories. Guillermo. So, okay. Then later said he was enthralled by the Hobbit book and enjoyed it more. And then th- he finally read the book for the first time. <laughs> well, and he, he enjoyed it more than the complexities of the Lord of the Rings series. Sure. And then production gets delayed, as Jackson says, the script won't be finished until 2010. So it gets delayed again. We're, we're sensing a pattern here, I hope. Yeah. So here is a Del Toro quote about what would have been. The first film will stand on its own, and the second one will be a transition and fusion with Peter's world. I plan to change and expand the visuals from Peter's, and I know the world can be portrayed in a different way. Different is better for the first one. For the second, I have the responsibility of finding a slow progression and mimicking the style of Peter. What, so what do you Wait, think about that? say that last part again. Uh, different is better for the first one. Different yeah. style. For the second, I have the responsibility of finding a slow progression and mimicking the style of Peter. Into it. Into it. Okay. So specifically with knowing what we have now. It's like, you know, these three, count them, three <laughs> movies come out and it's i didn't even finish the series yeah i've only seen the first two this will be the first time jordan and i see the third movie yeah when we watch it so didn't later. even finish it and uh it, it's like what could what could have been yeah is how i feel i do especially chill more children's book ish a lot more riddles and and fun stuff in this book dwarves are i think naturally a little bit um childlike like yeah. goofy-esque well, especially with our understanding of gimli that's there, there that, is that to it and especially how jackson chose to portray, portray him in this movie mm-hmm. so with all of that intertwined it's like huh yeah i kind of would have liked to see guillermo del toro's version of this yes and apparently his version was going to be much more fairy tale-esque love it okay so you're on board i'm on board um but then in 2010, Del Toro says, I got to leave. This thing gets keeps getting delayed. I can't yeah. commit to this anymore. Well, we need Pan's Labyrinth, so that's fine. Yes. Um, and then MGM hadn't actually greenlit the movie yet because of financial troubles. And it almost wasn't filmed in New Zealand due to a bunch of union worker laws. Whoa. Um, but they were protested by um, tourism and locals, and that got them in there. Good. Um. And then originally the sequel would reco- like originally the first movie would have been more I think the Hobbit and then the second movie would have been like covering a Middle Earth story or something covering the gap between the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Interesting. Which I'm not interested in that, but Okay. Um and then they scrap the bridging film idea in favor of both being Hobbit movies. Sure. And then on the 30th of July 2012 Jackson says they are doing three movies with the third adaption, a lot of the material found in the appendix, appendixes of Return of the King, which they had recently received the rights to. Okay. So if you remember, when at the end of Return of the King, there's like 60 pages of like notes about Middle-earth. Okay. And like battles and stuff like that. So that's all of that. Um, then I just will say a couple more things about the actual movie. Um, because of the 3D technology and the high frame rate, they had to make the the actors more red um like all the dwarves and stuff because they would show up as yellow if they just shot them like as in terms they would of makeup or lighting makeup. oh okay. makeup so if they just shot them if they just made the makeup like usual 
they would have looked like yellow people. Like the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, and then, do you know who directed the second unit? Uh, Andy Circus. Andy Circus. And so this is his first, like, directing. Yeah. Which now he is doing more directing. He's Planet of the Apes, bub. He did not direct any of those, but... But he's a big part of them. Yes, yes. Um, and then... That is all I have. Okay. So do you have more... Um, uh, yeah. Not hobbits. What are, what are they? The dwarves. dwarves. <laughs> okay, so then we have Killy, who I would argue is not a dwarf, uh, based on makeup. Oh, is this like the hot guy? Yeah. Uh, he's in the Mortal Instruments. Pole Dark, Love is Blind. Wait, Mortal Instruments or Mortal Engines? Instruments. Okay. That's a um, movie? It's a book series. You've never heard of it? No, it's ringing a bell. It's a young adult oh, okay. fantasy book okay. series. Um, he's in Loving Vincent, The Secret Scripture. That's about it. Um, and then John Callen plays Oin. Owen? Oh, I think it's Oin. Okay. Um, Oin and Gloin. He is in The Tribe, The Luminaries, The Broken Wood, Touchwood. I've never heard of him either. <laughs> and then Peter Hamilton plays Gloin, as well as one of the other trolls. So that that is um, Gimli's dad. Yep. Um, he's in The Last Tattoo... <laughs> and that's he doesn't really have much like his imdb picture is him as a dwarf oh okay that's um, cool. jed brophy plays nori who uh it, he also plays the orc who gets decapitated in the two towers and they say looks like meat's back on the menu boys oh he's yeah. that orc cool so oh, it's cool he's cool. now also a dwarf he's also in district nine mm. cool great movie I'm just going to stop there. And then Mark Hadlow plays Dory as well as a third troll. Um, he is in Meet the Feebles, King Kong, the Peter Jackson. Wait. Oh, so he's already been in two of his other movies. Yeah, the Peter Jackson, King Kong. That's cool. Um, Mortal Engines. Okay. And then we have Adam Brown who plays Ori, spelled like Ori in the Blind Forest. Oh, um, he's the he's the one that looks the nerdiest to me. If that's what you're going for, can I see a picture of him? Oh yeah, I there's something about his look that I'm like, oh, get him off screen every time I see him in the movie. Oh, poor Adam Brown. Not it's it's, it's the, the way makeup. it's the makeup and like the way his character looks. It drives me bonkers. So he is in Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead men tell no tales. Oh, he's also in the end of the effing world two. <laughs> uh, Netflix show. It can only end thing. once, right? guess not okay and that's about it and then we have again in this movie well I, i'm not gonna mention them because they were in the lord of the rings but let's just make sure oh just quickly lee pace thren duo who plays the elf okay guardians of the galaxy oh i probably We've have covered him. <laughs> oh and one thing i do brett mckenzie's also in this movie again <laughs> as an elf yes oh well he doesn't talk i'll save it for the next movie okay i do oh you're oh you're, uh, yeah. yeah um I do want to also mention, um, you may have uh, been sitting there like, wait a second, but what about Christopher Lee? Last episode, you said that he was like so pissed at Jackson, he would not work with him again. They reconciled, and um, I think part of it was him was Jackson reaching out and being like, I want Saruman to be in this, and Christopher oh. Lee's like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. I'll be in it. Nice. Um, which I think, in the most boring scene of the movie, but great. Yeah, I have thoughts on that, and it's not his performance, but I think that's an awful scene. 
Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. I think that that's, to me, like when the movie kind of jumps the shark. Yes. Like up to that point. It's still kind of fun. It's still kind of fun. And I'm like, I I don't like some of these choices, but I do kind of get it. Yeah. And that's the point where I'm like, oh boy. I think that if they really felt the need and if they really felt that greedy that they wanted to make three movies, uh-huh. I would have rather they have done an episodic thing. Because if they use a lot of the appendix of Return of yeah. the King, um, that means they... So, so like, okay, do one Hobbit movie. Yeah. The Hobbit. And then there is so much, so much, so many stories of Middle Earth because J.R.R. Tolkien yeah. was a visionary. So just if you feel the need to make two more movies, just have them be separate <laughs> right. things. Just like episodic kind of things. Having that you said could, that, that. That you can loosely tie into something, but not carrying in so much weight to each thing right but also having said that i think that um it's clear that it's been very hard for them to get rights for different things yeah (laughs) throughout like right all since they've been written so don't make three movies yeah i mean i'll i'll definitely uh give you that point but i just want to lay out up front that watching the behind the scenes of this movie it seems like everyone's on board really ecstatic to to revisit middle earth so that's i'm just setting the table and i get the decisions up to this point i get the frame rate i get the 3d that stuff makes sense to me even though it's not my favorite thing in the world um but now let's talk about the movie okay so it starts in the shire Mm -hmm. and we see um bilbo like old bilbo and it's the day of his um birthday his birthday in the fellowship Mm mm-hmm I like the tie-in. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Frodo's in it. That's kind of fun. But if okay, so this movie is almost three hours. Yes. So I think that that a lot of that is feeling filling a void, feeling the, f- feeling the need. Yeah. To not only make the Hobbit as epic as Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. but make the movies almost as long. Yeah. Uh, you're working with the Hobbit though, and I don't think that's possible if you want to split them up into three movies. Yeah. Cut this whole part. I think I think who wouldn't love seeing Elijah Wood on screen. I love it. Yeah. I would watch it every time. (laughs) Yeah. But doesn't really need don't really need it because we don't need him to fill out the world because we like the like the sets are enough. Costumes are usually enough. Um, And like we already know so much of the lore and we don't need this. We don't need this. Yeah. Anyway. And I, I had also forgot to mention, I don't know if this is the first scene or it's like in between these scenes, but they show like this whole thing about the dwarves and how they lost their home and they're attacked by... It's somewhere up um, in there. Smaug. Yeah. And all of this so is like... So much exposition. It is. And I see that they're kind of being like, remember we started the fellowship yeah. with like a bunch of table setting. Yes. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I don't think that you necessarily need to have that, but the series has operated in this way before, so it's not, it's not bad. I don't think it's bad. And for the record, folks, I think that this movie is a good movie. I will not go farther than that. I will say it's a good, I think it's a good movie, this first one, but then we'll have more on that. Okay. Um, so then I love this next part where it transitions from old Bilbo to Martin Freeman and Gandalf shows up and they do a lot of just the same conversations that are in the book. Yes. And I think Martin Freeman is an absolutely, you could not pick a more perfect actor for this role. Yeah, I think he's great. 
he's so good at being on the edge of agitation. Yeah. Like no one does agitation like Martin Freeman. Yeah. And I think that he's, he's got just a like, hobbit look too. So <laughs> yeah, he's so electric in this movie. Yeah. Um, Best performance. Oh yeah. And I think Ian McKellen's like right back at Gandalf. It's like not yeah, a hard transition fine. at all. And I'm thankful that they didn't try to de-age him. Since I know. They tried to de-age, I think Christopher Lee and, um, uh, Elrond. El Hugo Weaving. I don't think he didn't look de-aged to me. Uh, well, Bilbo. What's Bilbo, that guy's yeah. name? I don't remember his name, but yeah, he's sure de-aged and you can tell. Yeah. Um, but then we have like the dwarves show up. There's this, I, th do you like this scene? The dwarves showing up and the oh, yeah. table it's and fun. all that stuff. Yeah. And they sing the songs. It's, it's and like, you know, classic, like, what do you, you know, Gandalf knows everything that's going to happen. Yet he 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 neglects to tell Bilbo anything, right? Which it's is always just, fun. It's fun. So it's also a little stressful, but in a fun <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. Um, so them showing up is fine. Uh, it it is like okay, so the you know they keep showing up, and you're really taking stock of what they all look like. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about their looks. Kick us off, please. Well, I I just ha you have to give it to costume and makeup in terms of we uh, they do need to spend a lot of time to make sure they all look different so we can all tell them apart. Totally, obviously. Yeah. Um, not that hard, uh -huh. honestly. Like in a, I, I think they go too far. Yeah. That being said, maybe there are some um, like dwarves that live in certain areas that i am i don't know about in middle earth mm -hmm. that maybe they would look a little bit more like this or not so i'm operating under it's just like i'm comparing it to gimli yes who looks very um natural uh -huh. no one else look, no one looks natural no it, one looks natural at all and it, i think part except of it for thorin and killy like the two that don't look like the, the two that don't have prosthetic <laughs> noses on their faces and yep. what's kind of funny about the noses is i like them because they make it funnier yeah um but because they, they kind of they add a little bit of cartoony childlikeness to it yeah but I which think, i think should be in this material i agree yes. totally okay Keep going. um but the hair gets out of hand Hair is weird. The hair is And a lot choices. of it is too perfect. It's too yeah. well groomed. <laughs> and I, because of, I know, I know Gimli is like one dwarf, one character. Right. But he does like he, you know, in a way he does represent dwarves in that movie. Yeah. And there was no part of him t that told me that he cared about grooming or caring about how he looked. <laughs> And I, maybe, maybe it's because we don't have as many, um, characters that are men, like the race of men yeah. and elves in this movie, but it seems like the dwarves are also like way taller than Gimli. I think that's just going to happen because they, the only person that they have to stand up next to is Gandalf. Yeah. I, cause I don't know well, how else do you do that? Cause they, they Gimli look, was uh, surrounded by men. Yeah. So it's probably just a perspective thing, but I, it, I, think, I wish they were smaller. I think that... Because okay, it's, it's hard too because <laughs> you have so many main characters that are all um, not as short as hobbits, but definitely not as tall as a man. Like yeah. very short, and also they seem very stocky. Like yeah. they, they they need to look stocky because Gimli definitely looked very stocky, like lower lower body weight kind of thing. Uh -huh. um, the only thing that I think they tried to do to achieve that was just uh, thick clothing. Yeah. Which didn't really didn't really translate for me. Like Thorne has a big belt. Well, and most of the actors are wearing fat suits, actually. Okay. Um, That's good. Yeah. Um but also I had an issue 
with weapons. Yes. Oh, uh, this is yeah. I maybe one of them had an axe. Right. And I hate their swords, how yeah. big they were. But at the same time, it's not. I mean, it's like okay, that you know they're they're dwarves, so they have these kinds of swords. Right. Sure, fine. I don't really like the design. I don't think it looks very good. And I also think I just wish that they didn't use swords because that's what is always used. Right. Because they're so different. I'm I'm fine with the swords, but I there's something off about it that I can't put my finger on. But you're close there with me when you yeah, say Yeah, I don't that. know if I can quite figure it out either. I think also part of it is like I don't know, like like Thorin I don't really remember him exactly in the books, but I remember him just being kinda like a curmudgeonly guy that doesn't like the Hobbit. I mean doesn't like Bilbo. But in this he's like a mix between Aragorn and Boromir, and it's like so clear. And then like Keeley's kind of legolessy. And then a couple of them are, they're like all kind of like, remember the fellowship is how they feel a little bit. I don't get why they didn't give that guy a nose. I, I get Wh- why which they, guy? Uh, Killy, but oh. I understand why they didn't give Thorin a nose because he is the quote unquote hot guy of this movie. <laughs> um, so I mean, he, so I, I kind of get that. Like he's main character. He needs to look as relatable to me, you know, at, to a person that will look up to him as a heroic person. Yeah. But I It's a weird choice though. It is it is weird. It's like just I don't know. And and so here's here's what I'll say about their appearances and then we can move on. Yeah. Um also, and this is kind of like this is chalked up to experimentation, and I'm not gonna count this against the movie, but it's shot at 48 frames a second. As I told you earlier, um that kind of removes that background layer, makes it look like you're kind of there, and so you can just kind of see that this they don't look real like Gimli looked real. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Definitely. like a barrier. Maybe, so that and when you maybe see, the thing that we can't quite explain. Yeah, and I think that's why they all look a little bit off as it's like, yeah, I can tell that that's makeup, whereas I couldn't tell it was makeup on Gimli. It was shot at 24 frames a second. Yeah. Um, that's part of it. And then, um, no, that's that's what I wanted to say. I just think they look kind of weird. And it's, with the motion blur kind of gone, it just looks so different from the other Lord of the Rings movies that it's kind of a tough transition. I wonder how much less of a, a issue I would have with the things I've said if it wasn't shot at this frame rate. But And they yeah. looked exactly the same. I, I would still have a problem with Killy, but I'm curious. I know. It'd be super fascinating if... I don't know if it's even possible, but if someone could like get the originals and like cut the frames down yeah and do it but i think since they shot it on 3d and stuff it's probably not even possible no yeah probably not and um yeah okay so they have the dinner they explain that they want to go back to their mountain and slay smog or steal the arkenstone arkenstone from smog arkenstone's kind of cool do they make that up or is that in the book that's in the book okay yeah that's the that's the whole thing just making sure yeah remember um and then bilbo's like no i'm not going and, and the reason leave. why Gandalf chose them is because you're small. You would be a good burglar. Yeah. And um, just classic re- hero refusal of the call. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up the next day and he's like, what the heck am I doing? I'm just going to drink tea every day and not do anything. I'm, ge- I'm going out. And so he runs out. There's that great shot where he's holding the map and he's running and people are looking at him. I strange. like that. I like all that of scene. that stuff. I like all the Shire stuff. Yeah. It, it, it feels cohesive with the series. Uh huh. And it feels like the way I felt when I was reading the book. Uh-huh. Um, so then he catches up with them. Did you ever look up the horses? What do you mean? Like oh, if, if they, they were... Because they have, like, clumps of extra fur on them. Yeah. And they're they, shaggy. They're, they're, well, they're ponies, first of all. Right. Um, but I wonder if they're ponies. I don't think right. they are because men are riding them. 
hey Rebecca, uh, let let can us know. You tell us about the horses they're on. Like what type of ponies they are, and all or of that information. If it's not a pony, what did they do to the horses? Because they have really cool fur that's on them that isn't like a normal horse or pony fur. Rebecca's probably laughing because she probably knows exactly what they are, and she's like, they're so stupid. But <laughs> please tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious about that. Um, so then they take off, and um, then we cut to Radagast, I believe. Okay. Um, it doesn't really matter. No. Um, Radagast is like 15% too much for me. He's like kind of um, cool. He's mentioned in like a sentence in the book, so I don't mind them kind of expanding him. I'm into it. I think he's cool. I wish there was more. Uh, I think that if I was a wizard, I would be him. <laughs> um, I like how he's Radagast the Brown. That's fun. Yes. Love that. Uh, I like him. I like yeah. him. I, I just, I think it's his acting choices are just like. It, but think about, you know well, what? think about it in this way. Think about it this yeah, way. Okay, okay. I don't, I think they have tried to do these things and then would forget that this is uh, much, much lighter than Lord of the Rings. Like the story it's in itself is pretty light. So I think they often forget about that. With Radagast, they remembered that it's a light-ish story. Yes. So it's like, oh, he seems fun to explore to be the zany crazy kooky person good point so i think if you if you want to you know going for the lightness and by lightness i mean like not super serious or anything yeah i think he's good that's a really good point i i agree with you yeah i actually that is the whole uh how he enters the story in terms of like finding the discovering you know the necromancer necromancer thing boo it's a little odd and it's so dumb. Okay, let's well, okay. Ugh, there's so much here. Um, first of all, I think this movie just doesn't understand if it wants to be light or heavy. And that's a big problem I have with it because when it's I think up to this point it's been light, except for like the quote unquote cool action sequence at the beginning explaining the dwarves. Yeah. But um it's been light and fun and whimsical. And I think my problems I have with it besides the thorn issue, which we'll get into, is I, I just think that they um, they, they do something like really intense and quote-unquote cool, and it, to me it like disrupts from the fact that it's um, lighthearted. I, I don't know. It's Plus, like, like, don't give me a Sauron, char- a Sauron character. This isn't no. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So don't give me... I mean, it is, it's like Fantastic Beasts giving us Johnny Depp. We don't need a guy who you're claiming is as important as Voldemort. Right. We don't need it because Lord of the Rings was the, it was the Harry Potter of the world. It was the event of the third age of yeah. so don't, Middle Earth. Yeah, so don't give me some, like, another really powerful wizard thing. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, I remember reading that, um, I think it was Jackson was like, you know, you read The Hobbit and Gandalf just disappears and you don't know why. And then at the end of the book, he's like, yeah, we had to fight this necromancer with Radagast the Brown, and you don't really know about it. And he's like, it'd be fun to expand upon that. And I do get that inclination. Me too. That makes sense. But I also think that's kind of like, it's like, I wonder if the internet was as active as it is about plot holes and things like that, if even anyone would even think to care about you're, explaining You're that. making two different movies. Because I, yeah. I know that in Lord of the Rings, there are so many different storylines, and they successfully pace it and edit it and write it. And they all serve this purpose. It all serves the purpose. And this, you, there are several storylines again as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't care. 
right. about all of them. I only care about the main quest, which and is never good if you have if you care more, you know, if you don't care about one. I have a question that I forgot to ask. Okay. I haven't watched the special features. I've only watched them once. Or yeah. Of but, this movie? Yeah. Okay. I remember, I don't know, maybe it wasn't the special features. But I remember hearing that they had significantly less amount of time to work on these movies than Lord of the Rings. Um, yes. That is in a documentary that's on Battle of the Five Armies that I'm still trying to track down. Isn't so, there an interview with Peter Jackson and he just looks like he doesn't give an F anymore? I want to save that for when I find it because okay. everything I found for this movie and like the behind, they, they did like video blogs for this movie. He's like into it. Okay. So I want to cross that bridge when we come to it because it looked like he was on sets that were not in this movie. So I think as the production goes along, it's uh that's what when it weighs on him. Okay. And also there is a literal quote in one of the um vlogs where first of all they have the New Zealand people like from like the um like natives the Maori the something I can't pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, like um they bless like the production and it's yeah. before they even start. So there's like this whole ceremony that they do and the whole cast and production is there. Yeah. And they like bless the um production of the film which i think is really cool yeah and um is like a it's just cool that they they were like we're using your land uh -huh. and we want your blessing which uh -huh. i think is really fantastic um all of that to say um he has a quote in that where he says you know if the producer said asked me if i wanted more pre-production i would say no because i'm just ready to start this thing and i want to get it started today because one more day of pre-production is a waste of my time right now. That sort of a thing. So, anyway. Leads me to another theory that I will not talk about. <laughs> but, um, okay. So, this is a real honest question I have for you. You are a writer. You understand stories very well. Um, I know we discussed that they wanted to expand upon Gandalf. Okay, I get that. What do you think the purpose narratively is of them like mysteriously doling out that it's Sauron because I think pretty immediately as a viewer you've already seen the outcome you're just like oh cool that's Sauron okay so like that storytelling wise I think they're just da dangling the carrot in front of your face okay because it just feels totally um like I think of Star Wars right off the bat he introduces Anakin Skywalker and it's like this is Darth Vader. So the whole time it's you're so ominous. You're like, oh, that's Darth Vader. I need to watch for that. He doesn't try to pretend that it's like, who's this kid gonna be? Hmm. His last name's Skywalker, but don't pay attention well, to that. Like, he doesn't try to hide the fact. No, and and in Harry Potter, when we finally get to some Tom Riddle stuff, well, I'm gonna specifically talk about in Half Blood Prince when yeah. they they go to the memory. Uh, Harry sees the sorry, Dumbledore shows Harry the memory of tom riddle asking slughorn about horcruxes yes okay yeah, yeah i yeah. think it might be the same movie that he also we also see him as a child at the orphanage that yeah because dumbledore yes, starts sharing information yes. and it's so cool and ominous like we're talking about because we know who he becomes because we have seen the goblet of fire like uh -huh. we've seen him born again yeah and and like knowing that it's him makes it so much cooler than as if maybe Harry just stumbled upon the pensieve and like, oh, what's this memory? Oh, who's this kid? And at the end of the movie, we find out it's yeah. Voldemort or something. Yeah, I just don't think it's... 
I, I don't know. I just don't think find that as compelling. And I think in this story line that they made up, I think it's just trying to fill out runtime. Yeah, because the the whole scene where they have the counselor with Galadriel, Elrond, Gandalf, and um, Sauron, there is zero tension for me because I already know that they're talking about Sauron. And maybe there's another way for them to just be like, Sauron's returning, let's plan it. Maybe there'd be more tension there, but for them to be like, I don't know what this evil is, you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I know you guys don't know, the most smart people in the world, but we already saw what happens next, so can we skip this scene because it's kind of boring. Yeah, it also it would almost be cooler or more interesting if let's just imagine a world where Sauron doesn't exist yet. Okay. Uh like that like this story takes place so far in advance or in the past that we don't even like they don't know who he is. But because we have seen Lord of the Rings, we know about that character. Yeah. But um since this is in the middle of everything, mm-hmm. pretty much, it's like, oh, we know that he does come back. We know who he was before. It's like this middle of the road thing, not like a beginning, like an origin (laughs) kind of thing. It's like origin part two. Right. He's back again. Right. I I just, it's just not as interesting. It almost would be more interesting if like, I don't know, like, okay, so Saruman's technically good now. Yeah. Or like he's good period because he has, you know, he's, it's not Lord of the Rings yet. Right. What if, we dove a little bit more into his like being corrupted yeah i don't think that's the right call but but it would be compelling already it would be more compelling because we at least know that he wasn't always bad like but he was corrupted well and and that whole scene another big problem i have with it is he's just like sitting there and he's like oh gandalf you're stupid for even imagining that evil could even exist in this world i'm not trying to save face i know Um, it's so obvious he's he's sitting there and he's like don't don't trust me i'm not a bad guy i no (laughs) come on i'm not a bad guy uh sauron coming back i don't even remember that name and you're like okay you're a wizard too like Try to tr- be tricky at, at all. Like anyone would walk away and be like, "Okay, Sauron's Galadriel's bad. there. She or, knows. Ev- she yeah. knows all." Like Sauron's like a bad guy, right? That's that's the next meeting. Like yeah. they walk into the other room and they're like, "We should like detain him and yeah. figure Let's out." Let's just what's kill wrong him right him. now, right? <laughs> yeah. But then we're supposed to believe that in the Fellowship, Gandalf seeks his counsel. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That, and I'm sure he's probably in the rest of the series, which doesn't make a lot of I, sense. Yeah, to me. I think it's just that it's do it's doing the things that you shouldn't be doing and doing all the callbacks. Yeah. It, which it's like Peter Jackson, you said that you were worried about uh comparing this to Lord of the Rings or whatever he said. And yeah. it's like that's l- exactly what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Because you're forcing me to. Yeah. Because this is the Lord of the Rings storyline. Uh-huh. And what's I think so cool about the Hobbit is that that is just when when bilbo gets the ring yeah period in a way because it because it's really the dwarves story mm-hmm. that's what's interesting to me that's like why i think it's interesting in relation to lord of the rings yeah like oh they go on this really great quest and defeat a dragon and they and bilbo happens to pick up the ring yeah i find that interesting that's the f- fun of it and, yes. and and that's like the connection to the next part in the series yes it's not it's not this like huge conspiracy blah 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 right it's not that interesting to me right um so let's talk about something else that we have a huge problem with and that is thorin's dad is killed by this pale orc oh the pale orc um, looks a little weird yeah um most of the orcs look a little weird see my uh earlier thought about the 48 frames per second and costumes yes 
Secondly, imagine the animators, instead of animating 24 frames a second, they are now animated 48 frames a second. So they are literally doing double for everything. That's why some of the CG looks weird. Yeah. Um, so he fights him with his oak shield, which is kind of like, if I remember right, that's like his grandfather's storyline as he fights this a- a- oh. Azog orc, and that's how they he gets the family oak name of shield. Oak and Shield. Okay. So it kind of doesn't make sense that Thorin, like... Is Thor an oak and shield? Just happens to grab an oak shield. I don't know. It's like I was just lying there. No, I, but it's weird. It, like his name is that, and he happened to grab oak. Yeah, you know. Yeah, whatever. And um, so this leads me to the Thorin problem. Yeah. And I think I'm probably going to talk about this all three movies. They attempt to make Thorin the main character of a movie called The Hobbit. Yeah. First of all, you have Martin Freeman, who's one of our finest working actors. We love Freeman. This guy, I'm sure he's a fine actor. I'm sure he's a good guy. I think this performance is so one-sided, mm-hmm. undynamic, and boring. Thorne has no personality. No. I defy you to tell me anything about him except for vengeance. Yeah. That's it. He's so uninterested. Every time he talks, I'm like, oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> he's my least favorite dwarf, and I wish he wasn't in the movie. And he's the of the, like... You know, because the elves didn't help them that one time. Uh-huh. So he is distrustful of elves. I get that. They cover stuff like that in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. But it's also like Theoden didn't want to work with Gondor because they didn't like aid them. But once Gondor gave him the call, he answered. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good character. That's a leader. So this is Thorin, the leader. And this is this quest is so important to him. He still refuses to seek the Elvish Council. It takes Gandalf forcing them to go to Rivendell. Which I think is in the book, but I think the way it's just played and written is um because he has no personality, it's yeah. it's not um I don't it's just very uncompelling to me. Yeah. And um I remember in the next movie, if if I remember correctly, um Bilbo gets split up from the group and they like just spend so much time with Thorin. And I think Bilbo gets like, you know, 45 minutes to like an hour of screen time in a two and a half hour movie. And you're like, I wanted to see the Hobbit, not the dwarf. Yeah. That's why I paid money to see. Um, and so, yeah. And every time he does something like intense and epic, it just feels like a really pale imitation of Aragorn to me. And so, um, yeah, and I, I think the orc storyline is pretty boring. Yeah. And I, even though I don't... It's just another part, it's another storyline and this big epic tale that shouldn't be this big an epic that I don't really care about. I and they s- could have just had, if they were going to put him in it, just have him killed at the end of this movie. So yes. Thorin's arc of like, I did it, whatever, let's keep moving on. Instead Absolutely. Of like, oh, he survived. Now we, he's going to be in the next movie. And if I remember right, he does not die in... The next movie. I don't remember. So Azog is in the third movie. Yeah. I will say though, uh, some of the motion capture on Azog is pretty good. Yeah. They, they do, they keep, they do a really good job of capturing, um, certain mannerisms and body language that if they didn't use motion capture, they would not have gotten. I, I almost think the CG creatures look better than the, Mm -hmm. the makeup creatures because of the whole frames per second thing. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, I think so too. Because the orcs are like, oh, 
Whoops. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> that looks a little weird. weird. But the goblins are cool. I'm into the goblins. Yeah. The goblins kind of remind me of the goblins at Gringotts a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, especially the little guy who grabs, who like flies up that yeah. line. That guy reminds me of Mad Max Thunderdome. Oh, yeah. Um, Thunderdome? Yeah. Um, okay. what, what, uh, uh, Trooper Crooper? No. What is his name? I don't remember. Because it, it, it's one of them's the big guy and he's the guy on his back. Yeah. And they, they have like a name that is anyway listen to our mad max thunderdome episode <laughs> that came out a year and a half ago to check that out yeah um okay so who covers mad max that early in a podcast life we do because we wanted to establish that we weren't just doing only the 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 new series okay okay <laughs> so there's the troll scene the out of the fire into the frying pan chapter of the book i think the scene's decent um it's it's not like the the best it's a long scene it's a long scene and then they do try and make it epic with the dwarves like fighting them and the music like really swelling and i just kind of think i i wish that it was a little different um also i forgot to mention at the top of the podcast this is like the same production team as the previous movie oh same cinematographer music director there might be another producer and maybe another writer, but I don't believe there is. Okay. Um, I just realized I haven't talked about that at all. So they do that. They get to um, Rivendell. Elrond's there. It's cool to see Elrond. Yeah. Um, and then they set off again. And is this when they get to... Um, the, yes. Yeah. Okay. So th- this is when they're climbing on that mountain and the rocks are fighting. Okay. Okay, first of all, big, huge, mountain-sized rock people fighting? Yeah. Give me that. Give me that. I like that. During a thunderstorm? Give me more of that. (laughs) Yeah, that equals good. But here is one of the main problems of this series. The book is very observatory. And, And this is a good example of that. They look at the rock monsters and see them from afar, and they're like, whoa, look at those rock monsters. That's cool. And then they just go about their merry way. And sometimes they get into trouble, like the troll. But instead, this rock scene, they're in the rock scene, and they're having to fight for their lives. I don't really care that much, actually. I just think... That doesn't make for good uh, TV if they just watch it happen, I think. See, I I would argue not, because you have scenes in, like, the two towers... Um, like Sam is just looking at the Oliphant and you're like, that's cool. And yeah. of course a body falls in front of him, but there's so much in Lord of the Rings where they just look, they look up at those huge statues at the fall yeah. of Roros. Oh, that's true. And you're like, that's amazing. Just rounding out the world. Yeah. And I think just a, like a quick sweep where you see these crazy rocks fighting for a little bit and they make a few comments and Bilbo says, I want, I'm tired of going home, but, or I want to go home, but that's pretty amazing. And then they go into the mines Sure. That would that would be a lot more um, fun to me, especially because anytime people are hanging off of stuff, um, it always for me, it almost always like doesn't work for me because you know they're not going to fall. Yeah, yeah. Like we we talked about Mount Doom last week, but there's a genuine tension there. It's the end of the series; something could happen. But the first movie in a planned three part trilogy of Hobbits, it's like we're in the middle of the movie. Sure, let Bilbo fall. Is, see if he, see <laughs> yeah. if I care. That's how I feel. It's like no, but rock giants are good. Yes. Um. So from there, they go down to the mines of goblins, and they pretty much get captured immediately, overwhelmed by them. I 
was I actually thought that I might hate this part in terms of like the goblins. Yeah. They're cool into it. They are cool. And I think I, I like, yeah, they're cool. I like it. I think when they fight, um, and this is, this is always the temptation when you do CG characters is you can do weirder things that don't obey the laws of yeah. physics. Yeah. And it's, it's so striking when you look at this fight scene and then go to like any of the fight scenes in Lord of the Rings. Cause they're very based on reality. Yeah. And I know we're talking fantasy. I'm just, I'm yeah. just saying that like when I watch the fight scenes in these movies, I get bored pretty quick. Me too. Cause there's, there's not like real impact. I don't feel it. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I, I, they're just too long. All the fight scenes are like mm. five minutes too long at least. I think if they truly committed to the the childlike tone of the story, yeah, they could have done the scene. Yes. And we would be less annoyed with it. Yeah. But that's not the case. <laughs> um, okay, so while this whole goblin thing's going on, Bilbo gets away, but he falls down the, the cave mines. Yeah. And... Um, with a goblin, wakes up. I will say the goblin that's fainted looks insane. It is like freaky looking. Because yeah. that one's like a real that's one real. sitting there. And it's like, I think because it's not moving, ugh, it, it's I know, a that little disturbing. <laughs> um, so we meet Gollum. Gollum, yes. And this is like so anticipated. Yeah, Everybody this is knows. like the best part of the movie for me. This is easily the best part of the movie. So Gollum takes the goblin kills it and he is going to eat it um but before he begins that process he d- discovers there is someone else down in the mines bilbo mm-hmm. um when Gollum was getting was dragging the goblin away he dropped the ring yeah so bilbo picked it up um and thus begins uh Gollum telling bilbo like there is a way out but let's play a game and if you lose i get to eat you yeah also probably my favorite part of the book Oh yeah, too. It's it's, it's just so great. So it's like imagine this. Like he he like this is a hobbit ripped out of the Shire on a crazy adventure that he never thought he would be on with dwarves, no less. Yeah. And they get into a hairy situation, and he gets separated from all of them. Mm-hmm. And he meets a weird creature down in a cave. Mm-hmm. That is like fantasy one hundred and one. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um. So they they pass back and forth some riddles, which is just see that's like whimsical and fun, and it, yes, and it also that is when they perfectly blend the dark tone and yes the um, whimsical tone because they're doing riddles whimsical, but it's kind of shot a little freaky, and Gollum's always a little freaky. And if they had kept that tone the whole movie, because you're also laughing at Gollum, like yeah. he does stuff that's funny, yeah, um, yeah, the I just wish great. that tone would have been throughout the whole movie. Yeah, me too. It would have um, been cool. Would've been cool. Uh I yeah, so the acting's really good. The effects are obviously really good with him yeah. too. They d- definitely spent time on him. Um Yeah. I think I just kind of preferred the Gollum of the trilogy just because of nostalgia. Yeah. Um, but he is more detailed in this movie. Um and he does like I think on a technical level look better. Yeah, but, uh, but it is kind of interesting watching this after having watched Lord of the Rings so closely and be like, Man, Lord of the Rings it makes that Gollum look better. Yeah, because like they did it so still good. Looks so good. He still looks so good to this day. Absolutely. Um, so Bilbo. Okay, so that the you know the the riddle playing escalates, mm-hmm. and um, the Gollum fe- realizes he lost the ring. Then Bilbo puts it on and he disappears. But it's as if he doesn't really know what's going on. Well, let's talk about the disappearing. Okay, 
because it's very weird. You oh, know, yeah. In the fellowship, we remember the first time Frodo puts on the ring, he trips and it kind of like is drawn to his finger and falls on it. Now, and we're just all asking for this visual again. It's, we it's just it weird so much. because he does the same thing Frodo did, but it's also weird because the, can- the ring is in slow motion, but his hands are moving at regular motion. And then he reaches up just like Frodo. And it's kind of like... Oh, it's so dumb. I wish he was just fidgeting with it and he accidentally put it on. And then he's like, wait, what the heck? Yep. But the the cool thing about it, though, is they did do a really good job of it reminds you of the world that Frodo sees when he's in it. But since Sauron's not around yet, it's, it's not, not it's evil. It's subdued. It's, yeah, it's yeah. much more not intense. Yeah, which I think is... They did that really well. Nice touch. And then the, the scene where he's about to kill Gollum... Oh my god! That is like really they do that so they well nail the expression on Gollum's face yes uh so yeah because i see that and just like we've talked about in lord of the rings there are so many times most of like when i was a kid it was like just kill Gollum already he's bad yeah. he's gonna hurt you guys he's gonna kill you guys and he's gonna ruin the like the whole thing in middle earth is gonna be destroyed because of him but then every once in a while they throw in this look or this line and it's like no give him a second chance i pity him yeah. which is l- exactly what gandalf told frodo in the fellowship uh why do you think bilbo didn't kill him was it or, pity that stayed his was hand? it pity and and if you um you music connoisseurs out there so if, if sean muir's listening i'm sure he recognized this um howard shore reprises the theme that plays when gandalf tells frodo yes talks about Gollum and pity staying his hand and it, it comes back in and that's like almost a goosebump moment in the movie yes they nail that moment it's really good awesome yeah um but then <laughs> the dwarves are running out of the mine the cave thing and bilbo runs out too Still has yep. the ring on. Uh, but, you know, Thorin's talking crap about Bilbo, about, oh, he probably ran home. And then he pops out of a tree and he's like, no, I'm here. Yeah. And, and Thorin's like, I still hate you. No, but but he's like, he's like, I, I said that you were this and you were that. And he goes, I've never been more wrong. Yeah. But then Bilbo later says, on, he's even more like, I love you because he saves his life. Yeah. And and um, Bilbo's like, oh yeah, I got the scenes mixed up. But Bilbo says like, I came back because I have a home to go back to, and you don't. And I like that that they they tried to make that connection. Mm-hmm. I do kind of like that. That's kind of cool. Um, there's a scene where the wargs attack them, and they run up the trees. And in the book, it's just so a the quick wargs are the scene. same as the other. They look so different. Okay, and they look just making not sure as that good. they're not different animals. They say wargs in okay, the I'm Hobbit. Just make, okay, yeah. But they don't look like They look so different. I I like in the Lord of the Rings, the design reminds me of hyenas a little bit. Like mangy hyenas. Like mangy and obviously like pretty different looking hyenas. But essence of hyena. Yeah. Um, And this is just a wolf with a really big mouth. Yeah. So, yeah. And then they're in the pine cone, the tree... And they they drop it off, and then the eagles get them, and the scene's too long. We realize that you can. It is possible to do a domino effect with trees. (laughs) Yep, we do realize that, unfortunately. And then um, is that when the movie ends? You particularly liked, and I agree with you. The the eagles looked. Oh, the eagles look amazing, and I remember watching it in three D, being like, it really popped on that. Um, Because you know the three D also enhances the colors, so you know that scene was like whoa i wonder if it's true with animation i find that when i'm drawing um for me i enjoy doing birds more Uh than any other animal uh and reptiles are more fun 
because fur is so hard to do. Oh, yeah. And, like, I wonder, because Smaug looks so good, too. Yeah. And he's a reptile. And I wonder if it's easier slash more enjoyable for an animator as well. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it probably, because remember how hard it was for them to crack Monsters, Inc. with uh, Mike's, True. or with Sully's hair? True. Um, anyway, so that's pretty much the movie. It ends on Smaug's eye opening, which I never liked those type of endings. It, it felt like a Marvel post credit scene, like cutting to that. Um, it reminds me for some reason of the movie Aragon. <laughs> and I've never read the books. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, I, uh, the, it's famously the movie, the first movie they did so terribly that they couldn't make more. Yeah. They like it's ruined. It's not the first movie to do that. It's just a no, movie no, no. That just that. this uh, franchise that didn't become a franchise okay. is apparently because they butchered the first book so bad. Yeah. But I remember that movie ending with a similar like I if I can remember right like a dragon like yeah. that you've never seen yet and it looks I think formidable. Yeah. And it's like oh I wonder what that is and then you never see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. I just, the cliffhanger endings are tough and usually not good. <laughs> but um, and, and he movie, does look incredible, yes, though. Yes. He looks so good. Um, but that's The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. What an, uh, talk about an unexpected podcast. Wow. Gandalf did say at the beginning of the movie when he was talking to Bilbo about his uncle, and he said, and Bilbo said, I'm pretty sure that story's not true, or you're, you're making that up. And Gandalf says, well, every good story deserves embellishments. Couldn't be farther from the truth of this story. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, if that's what we're operating under. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed the episode. Do you have anything else you want to? No. I think we covered it pretty thoroughly. Uh, next week is The Hobbit Desolation of Smaug. Um, I've already um, talked about the Patreon uh, there's, there's going to be, I mean, I have like a, a music video and a little women video. I know in the last episode I talked about them. I'm not entirely certain when they're coming out. So just follow me on Instagram at out of Micah. Um, because I'm not sure when those are coming just because of the state of everything going on. And speaking of, um, we put a link in our bio for, um, a petition, the color of change, sign a petition to end violent policing against black people. And, uh, we fully support that. Is so that all you do is you click on it and you sign it and you press done or something like it's that, that easy. That, yeah. It's super easy and you can read it too. Um, and it's really short. It's just, um, you should read it. yeah. Yeah. So, um, definitely check that out and sign it, please. What, please sign it. <laughs> and, uh, thanks for listening. Um, I believe next Wednesday is our Patreon exclusive finding Dory. And then next Friday is Hobbit Desolation of Smaug. Thanks for listening. And uh, I don't look forward to watching the next movie. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. And then the Goblin King is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I like how his voice is a little bit higher pitched oh, at certain look points. Up he was. Oh yeah, I'll keep talking about him while you do it. But um, you know, like every bad guy in every movie's like, "Hello, I'm the bad guy," and it's cool that he's like, "What are you doing in here?" Yeah, he's got a good voice. Uh, I feel like I recognize it. The guy who plays Bruce in Finding Nemo is not Bruce Spence. Well, who is it? Barry Humphreys. Uh oh. Can you double check? 
Yes, okay. But it but, says Bruce. Okay, talk talk to me. Talk to me though. Barry Humphreys plays the um great goblin. And he it says Finding Nemo, Bruce. So that's all the only thing I seen. Oh, that he's, he's chum. Bruce Spence is chum. Who's the Oh with the other another shark? He's another shark, yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad we got that squared away. Okay, yeah. So that guy plays Bruce. Okay. He's got a great voice. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he does. So while that makes, I can like see it and hear them both now. Too. Yeah, that's, that's probably cool. why especially I had a reaction to it when we were watching it. Yeah. Like I like that voice. I heard this voice recently. Yeah. 